welcome to the After the Bell podcast, brought to you by Connects Education Academy. Our podcast is here to help teachers, leaders and tutors. We will be discussing the latest issues in education and sharing top tips for use in the classroom, both face-to-face or virtually. Welcome to the first episode in our latest season of After the Bell podcasts from Connects Academy. We deep dive into the world of education and bring you valuable insights. This brand new series will focus on the SEN Code of Practice, and we're really excited to get stuck into some great discussions about this crucial piece of legislation. I'm your host, Georgie McIntyre, Managing Director here at Connects Academy, and today we're going to explore an introduction to the Code of Practice. It's often considered the Bible of all things Sen, but what actually is it? In this episode, we explore the Code of Practice and consider where has it come from, how has it changed, and what impact does it have on our practice nationally when it comes to supporting children with Sen. Joining me are two of our regular guests who are experts in the field of special educational needs, Andy Bridge, a secondary deputy head teacher and qualified SENCO, and Debbie Davis, a primary head teacher. So thank you both for being here today. Let's start by addressing the fundamental questions and get, get going, guys. So what is the SEN Code of Practice? Morning, Georgie. Uh, nice to see oh, you. Yeah. So the SEN Code of Practice, or obviously Special Educational Needs Code of Practice, it's a document that provides really practical guidance for schools, for local authorities, other educational settings, and it really takes us through step by step how we go about identifying, assessing and supporting children with any kind of special educational need. And and for schools and those other education providers, it outlines what the legal responsibilities are and what those legal procedures are that we must follow. So, you know, it's a very reassuring document for us to know really well because I said it, it is legal. And that basis comes from the Children and Families Act 2014, part three of that legislation gives that SEN code of real legal clout. So it is statutory, it's guidance that all of us must follow. Yeah, absolutely, Andy. And the Code of Practice, it's a crucial tool for all professionals working in, in the field of education. And it sets out clear guidelines on how to identify and meet the needs of, of all children with, with special educational needs, like promoting a, a, a really inclusive um, education and then the practices associated with education and ensuring that all educational experiences are really positive and meaningful. It, it's a really, really influential and important document. It certainly sounds like it and um, it sounds like the Code of Practice does play a significant role in shaping educational practices. Hopefully I'm right there. Could you elaborate on where the Code of Practice actually comes from and, and how it's evolved over time, Debbie? Of course, Georgie. The, the SEN Code of Practice originates from the Education Act from 1996, which established a, a legal framework for special educational needs provision. And it, it was first introduced to ensure that children with special educational needs had access to appropriate support and education. And since then, the Code of Practice has undergone several revisions and reflecting uh, and, and these reflect the changes in legislation and educational policies that have, that have come in and, and interplay over the years. So the, the most recent one, um, you know, as, as Debbie said, it's been different versions. 
the, the current guidance that we follow is from 2015 um, and that brought about some really significant changes and one of those was the the introduction of education and healthcare plans or EHC plans which replaced the old statement of special educational needs so we used to have three categories of special educational need which were considered school action school action plus and statement and when this 2015 code of practice was brought in that got rid of those categories um, and it brought in these new EHC plans and and they're really designed to be more streamlined, give a more holistic approach to assessing and meeting the needs of the children. It's interesting to see how the, the code of practice has actually evolved, isn't it, over time to adapt to changing the needs and, and actually probably re, really reassuring that, that it's continually being improved. Let's now perhaps delve into the practicalities and, um, and the implications of the SEN code of practice. How does it impact our practice nationally when it comes to supporting children with SEN? Debbie, what do you think about this? So the, the, the SEN code of practice has a profound impact on educational practice across the whole country. And it ensures that schools and local authorities have a shared understanding of their responsibilities towards children with with special educational needs and what it does is it emphasizes the importance of early identification and intervention which we all need to focus on ensuring that the children's needs are addressed promptly and effectively by really honing in there yeah i think that's a great summary debbie and i'd just add that the code really promotes a person-centered approach which is you know we're, we're talking about children um, so that person-centered approach is so important and it it really encourages schools to involve parents and carers and the child themselves in decision making um, and it really emphasizes that importance of collaboration between different agencies both within education but also within health and social care so that we get a really coordinated holistic support system that um that if that works well then the support provided for the child is just so much more thorough so, so much more holistic and that's when we get the great progress and the great outcomes. Yeah, it's, it sounds like that collaboration between agencies, the partnership working, if you like, it is so important, isn't it? So we're getting partnership here between education and health and social care. And from the education perspective, is it just schools that need to follow the code of practice, Andy? No, 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 I'll judge you. This is a really wide piece of legislation. So um, in terms of education, it covers all the way from early years providers, you know, some early years providers are within schools, of course, but also private, voluntary, independent nurseries, even childminders have to follow the SEN code of practice. And then it goes right through up to further education. And actually, if a child is granted one of those EHGPs, um, education healthcare plans, that gives them legally binding support until they're age 25. Um, so I think that that really emphasises how wide reaching this piece of legislation is. Yeah, that, that's absolutely right. And it's important that we remember that SEN isn't necessarily fixed and permanent a thing. So for instance, I, I once did uh, a review with a young person who was just leaving sixth form and we decided that that young person didn't need uh, an educational healthcare plan anymore. So of course some kind, some some types of send are permanent and are present from birth and others may change and develop over time. In many cases though getting the support in place at a young age is, is really important through excellent early years provision and then by doing this we can 
equip all the professionals involved with that area of work to give the best ever support to, to children right from a young age to identify and then help them along with their journey and help them to develop and gain have, just even have a chance of success. It, it sounds quite a profound level of support here actually Debbie doesn't it and it's great to hear that the SEND code of practice promotes collaboration and, and these person-centered approaches and Debbie like you said staying with the child to support them longer term um, and also knowing when to sort of step off when the support's no longer needed so that's that's great to hear as we wrap up do either of you have any final thoughts or or kind of key takeaways regarding the same code of practice debbie do you want to go first yeah i think as a senko um and obviously we're all teachers of children with send i would say that the code of practice is an absolutely crucial document that guides our work in supporting children with special educational needs and what it does is it provides a framework, and I've used the word in inclusion and inclusive education before, um, which is what we're all striving for. We need to include children with special educational needs. And this document is absolutely super in terms of helping us to understand how we're going to do that and work collaborati collaboratively together to achieve that. Yeah, I'd really agree, Debbie. And one thing I would add is, um, in, in many schools I've worked in, the, the only, or, you know, even no people working in, the only person who's ever read that code of practice is often the SENCO. And I just think that's such a shame because it's such an important piece of legislation. Um, it affects everybody in, in education, regardless of the role that we're doing. All of our work is affected by this SEN code of practice. So, you know, we're all busy. We're, we're all snowed under all the time. But if you can carve aside half an hour to just sit with a, a highlighter and a, a pen and just have a good read of that document I, i'd absolutely encourage that because it's it's a good read it's really influential and and it does affect our daily practices so i think it's important that regardless of our role in school ta teacher um behavior worker senior leader senko we all should have a good knowledge of that sen code of practice I think that's why, in a way, Georgie, when when you'd asked us to be involved in this series of podcasts, you know, I was really excited because it will give everyone a real insight into what it's all about, not just the Senco, like Andy says, and that's really important. And and it's interesting that you say that, Debbie and and Andy. Thank you also for sharing. And certainly here within um, Connects Education and our sort of supply support area every single role that goes through there's an element of expectation that they will have studied the, the awareness of send code of practice um, and actually connects academy we have actually got a course um, which is only um, about 90 minutes um, it takes everybody through the key elements of the send code of practice so that's available for access as well if anyone wants to follow up after this call they can visit connects-academy.com and search on our courses for awareness of send code of practice again some great discussions and I'm really looking forward to unpacking these further as we go through this series of podcasts it will be interesting to see how we can focus on those key areas within the SEND um, discussions as well. 
Thank you, Debbie. Thank you, Andy, for joining me today and, and being so insightful and setting the scene for our ongoing conversations. You can pick up our After the Bell podcasts, which are released on a weekly basis and provide quick tips and discussions with our experts around all things educational. Listen on your daily commutes, on your treadmill or as your focus for the day. Thank you for listening to After the Bell. Thank you.